0: Welcome to Eagle's Nest Forum with Dr. Bechard Moorfield, an internationally known expert on biblically-based leadership and minister-to-ministers who will share thoughts from the Word of God on successful living. Now, let's join Dr. Moorfield for today's message.
1: I'm going to start in verse 6. Listen closely. I'm going to read down through verse... Uh... Verse 10, listen, listen closely. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth the cheerful giver. Now again, I want to remind you here, in the Greek language that says the cheerful giver loves God. That line, God loveth the cheerful giver, is used by many ministers today when they get ready to receive the offering. But that line alone implies that God does not love the person who does not give cheerfully. I just, it implies it. it doesn't say it, but it implies it. If all I say to you is, God loves a cheerful giver, what does that naturally say if we do the inversion of that? God does not love the uncheerful giver. Okay. But what this language, what this says in the Greek is, the cheerful giver loves God. See, the point is this. God loves the sinner. He loves everybody. He doesn't hate anybody, but he does hate sin. All right. Well, I take that back. There are some things, there are some people that God hates. I know that may shock you. He that soweth discord among the brethren, God hates him. Okay, now, we continue reading, going to verse uh, 7, uh, Dun- Dunridge, verse 7, verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always, having all, uh, sufficient, all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. As it is written, He hath dispersed abroad, He hath given to the poor, His righteousness remaineth forever. Listen closely to this verse. Verse 10, 2 Corinthians 9. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower both ministereth bread for your food and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruit of your righteousness. Uh, the first uh, eight words of that verse stand out to this question. He that ministereth seed to the sower we've already read the verse, not according to what a man has, but as he purposes in his heart. Remember that? Okay. Your giving is not based on how much you have. It's based on what you're willing to give. Give and it shall be given unto you, the Bible says, good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, shall it be measured unto you, for with the same measure that you meet, not with the nickel or the penny or the dime or the dollar that you give, but with the measure by which you give it. If all I have is a nickel to give, but I give it with my whole heart. You can't beat that measure. God will see to it that men give back to me good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over out of their whole heart. If one man gave me back, good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over out of his whole heart, then I would receive an abundance more than I gave. But if men do that, and so this is a message to the people like you just mentioned, Buck Clinton. They They want to give, but they just don't believe they have enough to give. My friend, Don't count your pennies short just because somebody said write a check for a thousand. Because your penny will recoup, will cause you to harvest more than the man who gave a thousand because he felt obligated. Now that is a word from God for you. If all you have is a penny to give, but you give it with your whole heart, you will receive more in return for that penny than the man who gave a $1,000 because he felt obligated to give. Because if you feel obligated to give, you're not giving. If you feel obligated to give, you're acting under a burden of literally condemnation. Think about it. Why would you feel obligated to give somebody something? Now, here's the, we'll get to where we're going tonight. Why would you feel obligated to give somebody something? And the answer is you should not. You should not. Yeah. We should, we should never feel obligated to give to anybody. This this is uh, uh, this is something that I've I've talked with Sharon about it, and I've had a discussion over meals with folks a couple times with this. Uh, somebody told me once, "Well, you know, it's it's our turn." And this hadn't that too long ago when somebody said this to me: "It's our turn to give. It's our turn to buy." And I said, "No, it's not your turn. We don't take turns in the kingdom of God." Huh? Well, Well, you bought it the last time. Or I I didn't get a chance to... No, 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 no. You see, you're missing the point. You're missing the point. If you're giving because you're obligated to give me, you owe me something. And the Bible says, owe nobody anything but to love them. And here's another thing. If I buy something and give it to you, your lunch... Whatever. It's a gift. It is not a loan that demands a payback. Okay? Don't rob me of my payback by thinking you gotta pay me back. I'm giving because I wanted to give. I don't want back one payment. I want a good measure, pressed down, shaking the other, running over. See, that's what that's what changed my attitude about giving. Is it's finding out what God said about it. And that should that should be doubly so for each of us here in this Christmas season. Did you know most people do most of their giving around Christmas? Oh, they may give to a wedding for a you know, spouse for a wedding anniversary. They may give to friends occasionally. They may give to their to their children. And uh, is this this thing is not working again? It's not. All right. Well, let's do this. And 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 all right. Most people give at Christmas. That's the biggest giving time of the year. They got their wife, they got the kids, they got the grandkids. Okay? Do you realize what you could do for your next year's livelihood if you would give according to Scripture at Christmas time? Why do you give gifts at Christmas time? No, it's more than that. I mean, I know there's tradition, but there's more to it than that. You, to whom do you give at Christmas time, generally? To loved, to loved ones, people that you love. Yeah, that's good. That's good. But most people who do give gifts for Christmas give them to people they love, family. And they think because they're giving the family that it shouldn't expect anything from it. No, 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 no. The Bible says give. It didn't attach it to anything. It didn't say give to the church. It didn't say give to the ministry. It just said give. That means if you give a man a meal. That's not attached to church or necessarily ministry. The Bible says about fasting that part of the fast is if you see a man that's hungry, you feed him. Right? That's 365. Yes, 365. If you see a man that's hungry, you feed him because in as much because he might be a Christian who's down and out. And if you give to the Christian who's down and out, in as much as you gave to that one, you gave to me. Jesus said, "How are we doing?" So when you give anything, first of all, make sure it's done in an attitude of love. Secondly, make sure it's the best you can give. I'm not talking about cost. I'm talking about that you have, you, have a, you have a limit as to what you can spend for a Christmas gift. But when you give, give the best you can give. Okay? And when you do that, expect a return. What return? Luke 6.38. The simple rule, give. One word. And I think there's 37 words, I believe the count is correct, that follow that, that tell you what will come of your one word, give. Give, and it shall be given unto you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give into your bosom, for with the same measure that you meet, it shall be measured to you withal. That's a pretty good return on one word. Give. I mean, that's like Jesus saying to Peter, Come, and he got out and walked on the water. That's a pretty good return for one word. Then he got to walk back with it. That's a pretty good return for one word. And God is able to do that one word, return will just bless you beyond measure. And most people could impact their well-being for the next 12 months off of Christmas alone in a way that would bountifully increase them if they did their Christmas giving in faith and not out of tradition. See, all traditions aren't bad. Some traditions are good. But if you do that, because it is a tradition, rather than doing it in faith, uh, whatsoever is not of faith is... Ouch. Oops. Oh boy. Did I step on a toe then? Am I hearing screams in the audience? Uh no, Not just this one, but uh, yeah. You know, Christmas is just around the corner. Today is what, the 12th? 13 more days, it'll be Christmas. And a week after that, it'll be a new year. So when you give for Christmas, you have seven days left to get your investments in, right? (laughs) Okay. But you you, got to know that whatever I give to anybody over this Christmas season, it's going to be given in faith in the name of Jesus, and I'm believing God for a return on it. Not from the person who receives it. But from the word of the living God. Folks, get a hold of that. Get a hold of that tonight. Change your Christmas giving. Change it. Hallelujah. I like what Donald said. He gives to the Lord. Praise God. Praise the Lord. You know, know, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be great? Yeah, wouldn't it be? Oh man, you quit preaching. I'm about to put you up here. (laughs) You know, there's a passage that David uh, penned about himself. And David said this, I will not give rest to my body or sleep to my eyes until I have built for him a house. Until I've built for him a place. And there was a man named John Hyde. Does that name ring a bell for anyone? John Hyde was called the drunkard's friend. He began his ministry in England. He did a great part of his work in India. And he was called the drunkard's friend. John Hyde made a commitment to the Lord while he lived in Great Britain. He said, Lord, I will not lay down and go to sleep at night until I have led at least one man to Jesus today. Wow! Think about it. And he became so adept at that that he increased it to two. And but th- when he died, he was, he was winning three people to Jesus outside the pulpit every day of his life. He made the commitment, "I will not lay my head down, I will not close my eyes and sleep until. I-
0: to correspond with Dr. Moorefield, you may contact him on his website at eaglesnestforum.com. Or join him on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Eagles Nest Forum. And be sure to subscribe to the Eagles Nest Forum YouTube page at youtube.com slash at sign Eagle's Nest Forum. Join us again next time for another inspiring message by Dr. Beecher Morfield.